Welcome back, Grow Solvers, to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha. Welcome, welcome to Great Lengths. This is the segment where we dive in with individuals and really unpack how they went from point A to point Z. And this is all so that you can really just kind of adapt and adopt and put things into the perspective of your life, which is so cool because today I wanted to share with you the story of Donnie Hazard. Now, Donnie was raised on the river and in the mountains in the U.S. He had gone through some incredible milestones in his life, like climbing Aconcagua in winter. He was chased by a helicopter. He was on a raft and ran that raft all over South America. And he even ran 60 different rivers in a single year and spent more than 365 nights on a river, which again is already an accomplishment in and of itself. Now his business, Pro Rafting Tours, help people recenter, slow down and get clarity in their life. Donnie today is sharing with us, number one, how he survived a shooting and what it taught him about dealing with judgment and trolls or how you have to project certain things and how you have to go around certain difficulties that are incredibly unexpected. And secondly, he also shared with us how he went from homeless to helping people have the best days of their lives, quote unquote. And number three, how the psychology of getting out of rock bottom helped him get through some of the most challenging things in his life. Now, before we dive in, Grow Solvers, don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button. Let's get started. Donnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on because you have some amazing stories that I cannot wait to share with the audience. And obviously, you have this company, uh, Pro Rafting, and we'll talk a little bit more about Pro Rafting in, in just a minute. But I thought that we'd start with your experience. You had mentioned that you were shot at on a river in Guatemala once. So walk us through what happened there. How did that happen, Donnie? So you can imagine the more rivers you run, the more things you're going to encounter, the more um, obstacles you're going to have. It's just kind of the law of odds. So the more you do something, the more that you're going to have, you know, interesting stories or weird things are going to happen. But anyway, on this particular um, trip in Guatemala, me and my brother had driven to Guatemala. Uh, we drove down there from, from Texas, from a job we had in Texas. And this was years ago, um, probably 2006 or seven. Anyway, we drove down all the way through Mexico to Guatemala, and we were uh, looking to do this river called the River of Slaves, which is kind of near Guatemala City, uh, a few hours. And we got to the, they put in, 
Um, and when we got there, there was a bunch of, there was a bunch of kids uh, at the put-in who, and we, for some reason we like to invite uh, some of the, the locals there on the river with us uh, to get them involved. And so we we're asking all these kids if they wanted to go on the river with us. And they all said, no, you know, we don't go down river because there's big waterfalls and, you know, people don't come back. And they were telling us about what was downstream. And we were like, oh, that's where we're going to go. We're going to go check it out. Do you guys want to come? And they all kind of said no. And then finally they pointed at this kid who was kind of off by himself. And so we got him in an inflatable kayak with my brother and we started down the river and pretty much we, uh, we never got this guy's name because he was so terrified. Once he got in the boat, he was just hanging onto the boat and we were filming everything. We were kind of going through this canopy jungle and uh, it was amazing scenery. And we were at, you know, we were saying, oh, isn't this amazing? You know, look, look at all this. Uh, look at this. And he was just kind of just grabbing the kayak and real quiet. We got down, by the time we got down to the end of the run, it was dark and uh, we, we only had one vehicle and, and on river trips, you have to arrange a shuttle. I, while I was watching the gear and I was there for a few hours, but, it, but while I was there, I saw a light kind of down by the river, by the, in the trees. And so I was kind of curious. So I started walking down there and this guy just unloaded, unloaded with his AK-47 just all over the jungle and uh, started yelling and stuff. I, I ran and dived behind this wall and got behind this wall. And we're just kind of hiding out there. Um, and then in the morning, we went back to get our stuff. And we met the guy who had shot at us. And he actually turned out to be a really fairly nice guy. But he was just really concerned that I was going to steal something. Or he, he heard me. And so he was really paranoid. So he just you know unloaded, unloaded with his gun all over the jungle. Um, and, uh, and so it was a pretty scary experience. Uh, and we know now we're, now we're back here. So. Well, so it's interesting that you mentioned how you came back and you saw the guy or you met the guy, whatever, who shot at you. And he mentioned that he was shooting because he was scared or afraid, which is interesting because I think a lot of times when we're being attacked, whatever, verbally, physically, you always kind of think of, I mean, we're, we go in defense mode, right? We would never really think about, oh, maybe they're shooting because of something you know, or maybe there yeah. something is wrong right on their end that's that's causing them to do that but i wanted to actually what i'm really curious about was how did that conversation or did you know when you had met with him again was that you just recognized the face or was it that you recognized the yeah so he he kind of he kind of verbally let me know that it was him shooting and he apologized, and then he we actually got a picture of him next to our next to our kayaks with his gun. He's kind of screaming with his gun, and but he was just paranoid we were going to steal something. We were on his property, you know. We kind of got off on his property, and he was. Is that why a lot of people? Because you mentioned before you went off on this river run, a lot of the locals mentioned, or maybe this is on another occasion, but I thought I heard you say that. Uh, one of the locals or somebody had mentioned that some sometimes people don't come back and um, yeah, or it's a pretty pretty difficult stretch of river. Um, there's you know uh, quite a few uh, class four easy class five rapids, um, and so I think that I mean the locals were aware of what was downstream a little bit, you know. So um, that's why a lot of, most of the kids were saying no, I don't want to go, and then they finally they got this other kid to come with us who had this pretty wild experience with us. Swam a lot of the rapids, but. He'll never get that experience again. And that's what we kind of like to, that's what I've kind of brought into my business is I, I really like to share my passion with the rivers. Uh, it's just pretty awesome that I could get this Guatemalan kid who probably will never have the opportunity to run a river, uh, you know, his entire life. And we were able to take him through this magical, you know, canyon and 
even though it was a little terrifying, I'm sure for him, you know, I think he had overall, I think he had a good time, a good experience. So, Yeah. And I thought it's kind of interesting how I think a lot of people when they live somewhere, they don't always do actually all of the things that they probably should be doing or, you know, it's kind of like a lot of I've met, obviously, when I lived in the New York, the greater New York area, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I've lived in New York for all my life and never once went to Statue of Liberty, which is so interesting. And you mentioning how this kid is, is a local, have lived there all their lives. They haven't ever you know, gone through an experience like this. So I think this, it's kind of great that you did this for, um, or you, I guess, shared this opportunity to a lot of people, which is really uh, super cool. And um, I actually, now I want to segue into another interesting uh, <laughs> tidbit about yourself. When you had mentioned that before we start rolling, we talked about your experience being chased by a helicopter in a kayak one. So is this kind of a similar situation as be, when you were being shot at and somebody who happened to have a helicopter and they're like, you're in my property? What was the situation there? Yeah, a little bit different story. Um, I, I grew up in the Kern Valley, which is a Southern Sierra. But in the early, in the late 90s, you know, it had never really been kayaked. And I think in the, I think the first descent of the 70 cups in Dranwood Creek was like 96 or 97. And, and we had heard about it. And uh, this was late 90s as well. And so we decided to go in. I think I was, I was either a senior in high school or a freshman in college. I think I was a freshman. There's, there's, seven, there's seven waterfalls in a row. And the last waterfall is a kind of like an 80, 70 foot waterfall that lands on rock. So it's a, it's a drop that you cannot run. Um, and so we were looking at the kind of scouting it out. And um, my dad had dro- driven us up there and me and my brother were going to run the creek while my other brother would film us. And so we were, we got all ready and, you know, finishing the run late, a few different things happen. Um, and so, and at the end of the run, you have to kind of traverse over with your kayaks and then uh, do some pretty steep down climbing and even rappelling to get down to the main river where you can float out to the road. Uh, but at this point it was getting late and pretty soon it was dark. Um, and so we, we just determined that we were just going to stay on this ledge all night, uh, me and my brother. So we, we kind of bivouacked there on this small ledge and just kind of huddled together and tried to stay, you know, as warm as we could with what we had. Um, and in the morning, uh, we're doing kind of jumping jacks and we're getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, we, we hear and see this helicopter coming straight up the canyon. And then it turns and it's looking right at us. And the guy has this megaphone and he's going... We are looking for Tyson and his brother. Uh, you know, stay where you are. We are here to rescue you. You know, all this stuff. And he was, he was telling us to stay where you are, that, we're, that they were going to rescue us. And, and then he left. And then he left right away. He was only there for maybe a minute, if that. But he took off back down the canyon. And as soon as he left, me and my brother looked at each other and we said, we got to get out of here. So we, we took off and we started going down to the river because we, we really didn't need to be rescued. Um, we were fine. It's just that um, my kind of a backstory that my mom had had uh, called Church and Rescue. She was getting worried. So anyway, so we when we got to the river, we were getting into our kayaks, and right at that point, the helicopter came back, and we were going and we got into the river and we were kayaking, and it was it was literally right above us, like maybe twenty thirty feet above us, the helicopter, and it was yelling the megaphone for us to pull over. Now pull over, pull over. We're here to rescue, and we were we were given the signal that we were fine. Um, but it's just kind of one of the experiences where they were kind of chasing us all the way down the river. 
Um, and when we ended up getting to the end, there was a bunch of newspaper like reporters there and the, the TV crew was there. there was, the, the whole county search and rescue team was there. Um, so, it was, And we were in the newspaper, we were on TV and whatnot. And so it was just kind of a, one of those things that my mom got worried and called and and she should be. I think she should. Yeah. She has the right to be worried, oh, right? Yeah. Even yeah. if you guys yeah. feel like everything is fine. But this is important because when you're out in the wilderness, you have to, A, obviously tell somebody that you're going to be out for X number of time, right? And so if that person that you told got worried, then, of course, the search and rescue teams are going to come out and find you. And I want to actually, this is, and I love that you had mentioned this because I want to actually highlight for a second for the audience who is a little less familiar with the outdoors and rivers, right? And river rapids and all this stuff. And, uh, and want to kind of explain certain certain degrees of, you know, river rapids, right? You, you mentioned level four or five or whatever it is earlier on in the conversation. And what was kind of, did you ever have a moment when, I mean, obviously your years of experience had helped, right? But was there a moment where in your years uh, going running rivers, was there a moment where you maybe didn't expect something to happen and then some, you know, your, your, I, I don't know, you toppled over, you're in the water, you're swimming downstream, like any moment or story like that, Donnie, in the past uh, years that you've, you've been doing this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's uh, the definition of adventure for me is, is going into something that's somewhat unknown. And even if it's done by other people, if you've never done it before, then it's an adventure for you, right? So we learn different ways. We learn by reading, by studying, but, but we cannot actually know something until we actually do it ourselves. And so um, I think it's uh, you learn kind of as you progress, as you gain more experience by doing it, you know, step by step, you know, piece by piece. And I've been blessed to to actually to still be here. You know, I've I've had a few experiences where maybe I, I went maybe a little too far, but I learned. You know, I learned my lesson, and and that's kind of the the goal is to learn the lesson. You know, or, or you're going to repeat the repeat the you know repeat it again and again and again. So. We're all trying, but in, in rivers, it's kind of the class classification system goes from one to five and five is the hardest. Um, and so it's kind of natu- a natural progression. Yeah. And I love that. Um, so you mentioned earlier on that you, it is, there's a lot of unknown when you're outdoors, right? Um, especially when you're running rivers and it's about learning the different ways that you can push yourself or maybe it's not even about pushing yourself, but you're just, it's a, it's a journey of discovery in many ways, right? Because everything changes uh, all the time. Yes, of course, you might be familiar after you scouted certain places. And it kind of reminded me of, I was watching an interview of uh, that National Geographic, I think, did of, uh, with the um, the documenters, I guess, of Alex Honnold, who, of course, uh, you know, climbed the famous El Capitan and in record time or whatever it is, and free freehand and and all that. Uh, all that jazz. And he had mentioned, I remember Alex uh, mentioning in a separate interview, how it wasn't that he's scared of death. It wasn't that he's not scared of death or he has no kind of risk tolerance. It's just that he wanted to achieve certain things right under his terms. And he obviously, in the case of Alex, he, he, for the audience who didn't know, he basically climbed the whole stretch of the vertical drop of El Capitan without any ropes, belays, anything. And he did that, if I remember correctly, it was he 
minute by minute, he planned and rehearsed his moves, which I thought was interesting. Do you, when you're running rivers, do you find that that's something that you do as well? Or is it more like an organic process? It's mostly organic just because most of the rivers that I've run, I've never run in the past. I run them once and then I'll never see them again. Um, it's kind of a journey of discovery and you kind of, you know, piece your way down the river. But most of the, most of the trips I've done by and large are kind of one hit wonders. If, if you would, there's not really a Mecca for kayaking, like there's for climbing, like climbing Yosemite Valley is the Mecca for climbing. So if you're a climber, you're going to go to the Valley and stay there for a long time. You're going to do multiple, you're going to do the same route over and over again. But with kayaking, it's very different. And so you, you know, there's rivers all over the world and it's more of a journey of exploration, discovery, kind of more of a solitary type thing. It's a very, like a smaller community. There's a lot more logistics involved with it a lot, a lot of times with, with running rivers and whatnot. And if I'm looking at a rapid, a specific rapid that looks really difficult, then I definitely do piece out my moves. Like while I'm scouting it, I'm visualizing what I'm going to do um, at a specific, you know, part of that rapid uh, to be able to get through it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a visualization visualization part of that and uh you know planning for that. So nice. Okay, amazing. And I love that you mentioned a few things and I want to touch on some of them in a minute here. You mentioned how it is what you're doing is very kind of there's this a group of people who who do it, right? And obviously you have pro rafting, which is your business, and you help people on on river rapids and all this good stuff. And it is a niche, right? And I want to touch for a second for the audience who's listening and and they have a business that perhaps is slightly niche, right? And or maybe a lot very, very niche. And it is, I think a lot of people think that it's not possible to do this uh, when, you know, when you when you're not in the mass market. So I'm kind of curious. A, what brought you to basically start your own company? And B, how did you, in the early days, how did you kind of start spreading the word, right, if you will, to people who, uh, is it just a matter of you, you running the river and then you're just reaching out to people? Like, what were some of the things that you did that proved to be now looking back were, were amazing for you to kind of get that momentum? Yeah, so I think uh, the seed in me was planted like most of my life, I, I've been on the river most of my life. I started running rivers when I was about five years old with my family. But I really didn't get the business bug until a little bit later when I started taking people out on trips. And I've had countless uh, people um, tell me that they've had the best day of their life with me. You know, obviously that's going to be uh, a huge motivator. Just ha- having that feedback and telling, having people tell me that, you know, one of their best, the best days of their life was with me, the experience they had and and so that kind of catapulted me into what I do now, but yeah, it's it's a it's been a a long journey, and um, you know, seeing seeing results in other people really kind of fuels that desire to uh, start a business and and maybe uh, help some other people besides yourself. Because you know, kayaking for myself isn't, I mean, it's great, it's super fun, but it's a lot more um, fulfilling when I can help somebody else and you know share that share that passion with other people. So. Yeah, and this is so, I see this in so many amazing 
uh, obviously business owners and entrepreneurs as well, is kind of this common thread of doing things for other people, which is really, I think, is amazing. And we weren't taught this enough when we were kids. I mean, in the context of even business, I think a lot of people, when they raise their kids, it's just like, oh, yeah, just be kind to one another. You know, but I, I think we kind of forget where that came from. And I mean, I always say, I've shared this on the podcast as well, is basically you can change, I mean, business owners, and obviously for the audience who's listening, this is probably applicable to you as well. It's true that you can definitely change not just someone's day. And in your case, I mean, some people say this is the most memorable, this is the best possible day. And just for you to be able to have to to be able to provide, to be the provider of that memory, right, is amazing. And you can change not just their day, you can change their year and maybe even their life, which is really, I think a lot of times people forget that this is, this is the reason why we do this, right? We all do this. Um, and uh, which is, which is something that I hugely, hugely encourage. Um, and I'm curious though, before you started pro rafting and you do this for other people as well and really just kind of combine that magic of your business and your passion you had mentioned that you were once homeless in hawaii right and uh what was that like because i know that hawaii is very expensive and i remember reading somewhere how even just stars like chris pratt started kind of similarly i think he was living in um on the road in hawaii on someone's couch or something like that what was that uh, experience like yeah so i i went to uh school at byu hawaii um which is on the north shore of oahu there's a little town there called laie uh great school um I was there. I graduated from there. Um, and for one of my semesters, um, you know, like you said, housing is very expensive there and, um, you know, tuition and whatnot. And so I, I, I kind of determined that I really wanted to stay there. I really wanted to go to school and, but I didn't really have the money to pay for, for housing and, and whatnot. And so I just kind of made the decision that I was going to be homeless for, for a semester and, so what I did, I, I had three lockers at the gym and um, I had a tarp that I would, that I would get underneath at nighttime. I would mostly stay in the library until about midnight studying. And then I studied biology in college, uh, got my undergrad in biology. And then, but I would, then I would go to the beach and, um, you know, get some rest there along the beach underneath, underneath my tarp. The hardest thing about it was the rain because it rains a lot in Hawaii. And so um, I did have a brother that lived in Kahuku, which was about five miles away. And so at times when it would get super bad, I would ride my bike uh, up to their house and get in their house with them. But it was a, um, it was a good experience for me to, uh, to kind of feel what that's like, you know, for, for other people um, who are homeless. And then also just to kind of give myself a, a different perspective on life. I've been pretty blessed. I, I don't, my, my, my dad's a high school teacher. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money, you know, but um, we, I, I definitely had everything that I could possibly need or want. Um, it's just good to um, kind of put yourself in, in a place where you can uh, be a little more grateful for, for the things that you have and appreciate it, you know, a little bit more. So. Well, what I love is that from the experience of that you had being homeless, it came kind of this utter gratitude, right? And just realization that you 
maybe you don't need so much and the ones and the things that you need and the people that you need are there and that you're blessed, right? So I love that this is kind of the, the mindset that you came out with that you kind of took home after having been homeless for whoever long, whatever long, right? Um, and I'm kind of curious to know though, when you're in that moment, right? And when you mentioned when things got super bad, or maybe it got super cold, super rainy, super muddy, or whatever it is, and and you're really longing for that nice shower or whatever, right? How did you kind of keep yourself in a certain state of, uh, I guess, uh, perseverance is probably a word, right? Um, what are some things that you did or maybe didn't do to kind of stay above the ground, if that makes sense? One of the biggest things is um, just kind of going back to really having a good foundation, knowing uh, yourself, knowing who you are, um, knowing that, you know, no, no matter what happens, that you're going to be okay. That's really key that if you, if you have a, a good foundation uh, subconsciously um, in, in your mind that, um, you know, and, and you have you know, good habits or good things that you can draw on from your past, from your memories, um, and you can keep those in the forefront of your mind that you can overcome a lot of things. And, and for me, like living on the beach, you know, there was days it was a little bit lonely. I, I, I stashed food at friends' places and I would kind of go to different friends' houses and get my food and, and kind of meet with them and talk with them. Um, but it was, <clears throat> I tried to keep it hush-hush because it's not, it's not, you know, legal. And so I, I kind of had to keep it on the DL. So, but it, it, it taught me, you know, that, uh, that life um, is what it is. You know, you, you have to accept what is. Uh, and then once you accept that, uh, you, you can change, but you can't really change until you accept what you have, you know, and be grateful for what you have. And then at, at that point you can pivot, but until, until you kind of come to that realization that this is, you know, this is how it is and this is what I want, but to get what I want, I have to accept what I have. And I think that was a, one of the lessons that I learned and kind of, I don't know, helped me move forward a little bit. So, yeah, I love this concept of acceptance, right? Because I think so much of our life we're, we're fighting to get somewhere and we're fighting to do certain things or fighting to get away from certain things or certain, uh, certain people, maybe even for, for other people here who's listening. And I'm, I'm loving that the idea of acceptance doesn't mean that you necessarily are uh, are going to stay there per se, right? But it's just kind of being okay and knowing that you know you have what you have, and you're you you're the you're basically the one variable that's not going to change in your life, right? Which is so interesting. And everything else could change: our lives, our money, business, everything. They all can change. But then you, right, at your, in your mind, your ability to get out of a certain bind or a certain situation and obstacles and challenges, that's, that's going to be the same. And it's a constant throughout, which I think is really, um, really, really important to remember, particularly for entrepreneurs who's maybe right now dealing with certain, um, gosh, obstacles and challenges, right, which is, uh, which is cool. So uh, I wanted to touch for a second uh, on your pro-rafting business and and how you help people have the most amazing experience on River Rapids. And I've recently gone 
uh, on a river. Um, and this was just before, let's see, just before, actually, yeah, this is just before the whole pandemic kind of blew up. And, uh, and it is so interesting because my guide, her name was Hannah, and she is the most amazing girl in the world. Like she was just telling me about this rock that ended like, I didn't know that rock could be so interesting and then she was just narrating the whole thing and she's the energy and you're absolutely right like I told her I'm like this is the most amazing experience ever and um, I mean and we gave her a huge tip and so it was kind of like I highly encourage I think people who felt discomfort or just not you know not wanting to do certain things because it's it's unfamiliar maybe it's going on a kayak right river rafting or whatever it is I want to highly encourage people to absolutely try it out because it's it's so true that great things wait on the other side of that discomfort so can you touch for a second here on uh, pro rafting and what it's all about Donnie? So Pro Rafting Tours, here at Pro Rafting Tours, we, uh, we help families and individuals who are more or less frustrated with your typical vacation uh, that involves maybe traffic, long lines, screen time. We help, we help these people slow down, and that's the key word, slow down and escape one day at a time on a five or six day all-inclusive wilderness whitewater rafting experience that is completely off-grid. There's so many people out there who you know, are looking for a vacation, but they're, you know, they're, they're a little bit frustrated about you know, having their kids coming together and playing together on the beach or um, just having that, that time to be together, it, which is so important for all of us in this very fast-paced life that we live in nowadays. Um, and it's interesting because a river will, will carry you downstream and you don't have to do anything as long as you know how to read the river and you're in the current um, and you're following. And, and that's a good analogy for life. Like if you know where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, you're going to move downstream and it's going to be almost effort, effortless. I love this. And I think what I always take away whenever I go outdoors and doing things that's maybe even outside of my comfort zone, I always come back really mostly remembering just the good stuff, you know, like I don't really remember maybe the first night that, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think people get so caught up on, oh, it's it's too much work to, you know, go outdoors or whatever it is. Not that. I think like you were saying, Donnie, it's actually, particularly with a river run, it's you're just going downstream and it's so nice to just be able to kind of listen to you know your own mind for for a change you know instead of all the dings and all the pings everywhere and it is so great to be able to come out on the other side just having that new perspective and i was actually talking to somebody else about this um donnie is uh i read that basically our brain it's so it's so interesting our brain it's an academic research but our brain apparently have 70 times the capacity of ideas and thoughts when we let it just unroll, right? Which is so cool because a lot of times we're, we're thinking, oh, to be able to run a business, to be able to get all these things done, like we have to have like the pen and paper, or in, in our case, computers and tablets to get those done. Not true. Actually, some of my biggest, you know, business ideas and revelations and wins came from a full day of just doing nothing when I suddenly realize oh my gosh i can do this or i i have you know this thing to 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 maybe try some creative ways and it's not until we let our brain and our body in that case unwind in a way that's unexpected it uh, is uh that's when things are are really gonna shine which is so cool 
So amazing, Donnie. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Growth Solvers, don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button. Let's get started.